from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. We're on those airwaves all over the world. You can listen to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time from anywhere, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, Inside and outside of this country, you can listen into the show. Wherever you get the internet, that's where you will find Wake Up Call. And we appreciate you tuning in from wherever you're at. Alex Dodd is with us here right now of the Clemson Insider. There's this team called the Clemson Tigers. Some of you in upstate New York and throughout ACC country and, and around this country, you may know this team. You may know Deb Sweeney. You may know how successful they've been over the last few years here and how successful they've been overall with Dabo Sweeney at the helm of this program. So a lot to talk about with this team, and I'm happy that Alex Dodd is here on the show. Uh, a tremendous, tremendous individual and, and somebody that I appreciate sitting down with when I get the opportunity to. So we get to share the airwaves on Wake Up Call for the first time here to speak on Dabo Sweeney, Clemson football, the overall ACC, Syracuse, and so much more. And so with that being said, I welcome him into the broadcast. Alex, how are you doing today? Hey, doing great. Good morning, upstate New York and, and fans of the wake-up call all across the world. And it's, it's a lot of fun to uh, to get up in the morning and be able to do this, but it is freezing. How how what, Bring me into how is the weather in your neck of the woods because the people of central and upstate New York do not want to leave their houses, and I understand why. Well, I think that I'm freezing too and don't want to leave my house, but I bet it's a lot warmer here. It's a it's a uh, toasty 33 degrees right now in Clemson, South Carolina. Um, but I'm still thawing out. I'm not used to this this cold weather. I'm ready for my two weeks of winter to be done and spring to start. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it was three degrees. It was as cold as it got oh yesterday. So, yeah. Yep. It's, uh, my, weather, my weather app says it's 30, so I am below freezing. So I think I, I can technically say that I am freezing. Okay. So don't, don't jump on me, <laughs> uh, New Yorkers. Yeah, so... This southern boy is cold. There you go. There you go. Yeah, because we, we've had some Floridians on the show recently that were very, very cold at 50 degrees and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody nobody feels bad about this. If it's if it's 50 60 degrees, you know, I am I'm, I'm contemplating wearing shorts. You know, that's that's at this point I think if it was 25 degrees I'd contemplate wearing shorts. But it's been uh it's been an interesting road yet upstate New York has something to be very proud of and that is the fact the fact that this Syracuse Orange team that finished just a season ago 13th out of 14 teams in the ACC was second this year. Second overall, even though Pittsburgh had won the Coastal, if you go by overall records and performance, Syracuse second to only Clemson in the entire ACC, not the Atlantic Division, all 14 teams from number 13 all the way to number two. Before we get into Clemson, kind of connecting to Clemson, what do you think about Syracuse creeping all the way from 13th place to second place this season? Uh, I will say that on the surface it looks surprising when you see a team go from 13th to second uh in terms of record in a conference 
but for people who are around this conference or have even been paying attention to the Syracuse program since Dino Babers got there, it shouldn't come as a whopping surprise, uh, especially given Eric Dungy and what he's done over his career um, and him being a senior. I think maybe people should have been a little less surprised or maybe given Syracuse a little bit more credit at the beginning of the year. Uh, Dino Babers has done an excellent job energizing that offense and that program. I think he's a great coach. Uh, I think he's a great fit there, uh, and he's done an incredible job. So I think it should be less of a surprise to everybody as it is. But still, it's it's impressive. Syracuse hasn't been a place that's been easy to win for a long time, and it's been a while since that program had the kind of energy that it did in its history. I mean, Syracuse historically is not a bad football program. Uh, it is a, a program of legend that has plenty of players, the Jim Brown types, that have gone through there. It's a gritty program, and to see them sort of restored to their former glory and stepping into some new territory in the modern era is is really encouraging for fans i'm sure in your area and i think it's refreshing for the acc uh when the acc expanded and brought syracuse in it wasn't necessarily thinking about syracuse being competitive on the football end of things but being a boost in the basketball side of the conference but to have syracuse go and win 10 games uh, and win your bowl game and compete and, and you beat Clemson two years ago uh, is, in, is good for the conference. It's good for the ACC, and it's definitely good for Syracuse fans in your area. Speaking here with Alex Dowd of the Clemson Insider. Uh, Alex, to, you, you, bet you were at every single game this season for Clemson all throughout. So being a part of this entire season, you know that it's it was at the end of 2016 is the last time that Clemson lost in Death Valley. Syracuse comes into town and outside of a few mistakes and an ineligible receiver downfield on a fourth down play that they were able to convert with Aaron Hackett, but ultimately it was called back. You know, Syracuse had those moments, had those opportunities, and was primed to have that moment at the end of the game where they could win it in Death Valley. Ultimately, Clemson wins 27-23. Being at that game, seeing that game and that atmosphere, it was very quiet, eerily quiet inside of Death Valley when Syracuse was charging through this thing. And obviously, Trevor Lawrence was knocked out of the game. So what were your overall thoughts and, and the experience of being there, hearing Death Valley essentially play dead and be so quiet when Syracuse made this a real game and and put them on the brink of potentially losing at home for the first time in a couple years. Well, that week was a rough week for the Clemson program and Clemson fans uh, after Kelly Bryant's departure at the beginning of the week in a, in a really sticky situation with not a lot of communication with coaches. Uh, and Clemson fans honestly felt slighted by the Kelly Bryant situation because of some of the things that he said to the media, saying it was a slap in the face that Trevor Lawrence was named the starter and all these other things. It really brought turmoil to the Clemson program that Tiger fans haven't really felt in Dabo Sweeney's tenure. There hasn't really been a lot of tension or or things done in the way that Kelly Bryant did things. So it was a rough week to start, and then the media cycle made it worse with, oh, well, Kelly Bryant's not there. What if Trevor Lawrence gets hurt? Who is Chase Bryce? What is Clemson going to do in the absence of the quarterback that led him to the playoff last year? And and so on and so on. So it was a rough week for Clemson fans. And then it just got worse when everybody saw 
Trevor Lawrence roll over after hitting the ground, it was almost like there was a collective groan. Uh, and there was a collective groan in Death Valley from Tiger fans because they didn't know what was going to happen next. Uh, and, and it really was sluggish and slow and silent in that moment. Um, and it was definitely a different atmosphere than those that I felt in Death Valley before. Um, but then you have the running game gets established in the second half and Chase Bryce comes in and makes that, that long throw across the field to T Higgins and the Tigers end up going to win. And as Clemson started to come back, you saw the life come back to the stadium and it was actually probably the most energetic and exciting game that Clemson had all season because every other game was a beatdown. Um, but it was definitely, uh, an awkward moment, uh, to be in death Valley and Clemson fans, 80,000 strong, uh, to be, you know, scratching their head and wondering what was going to happen next. Yeah, you know, it was definitely a very a very uh, interesting game and interesting what happened after the fact is that Syracuse is on the brink of defeating Clemson 27-23. They end up losing the game. After that, it was like Clemson took it out on the world. There was not a game that Clemson did not blow somebody out, you know, whether it was winning by 20, 30, 50, 60. Plus. I mean, they, they, they took down Louisville in a, in a huge way. I mean, they go into the college football playoff and wreak havoc by 27 over Notre Dame. They blow out Alabama in the national championship. It was like after they had that almost taste of losing, when they sniffed it with Syracuse, they took it out on the rest of the world. Did you get a sense of that, that after that game, they were like, you know what, we're better than this, because the way that their schedule ran the rest of the way was that nobody got close to Clemson for the rest of the season. Yeah, I don't necessarily know if I, I take it as that way, that they almost lost and they were like, we're not going to do that again. This team was, was super unique uh, in the way that they won games. And Sweeney always talks about the one-game season and so on. And it really did seem like everybody on this team, especially because of the senior leadership, really did buy into Sweeney's vision and everything that the program stands for. And, I mean, before that Syracuse game, they were blowing people out with the exception of, I guess, the Texas A&M game, uh, trying to find their feet in a hostile road environment. But, you know, normally over the past few years, Clemson has that one game that they slip up and lose, the Pitt game or the Syracuse game up at you guys' place a few years ago, um, where they go and they lose that close game. And I think what this game did was show the team that they don't have to lose that close game because in their mind they felt like they had already won that close game. Uh, with an opponent that kind of snuck up on them. So I think in, in that standpoint, maybe. But in reality, I think the, the program really just bought into the vision and played the one-game season. And a lot of games this season, they just went out and seemed like they played better and better down the stretch. And also, I think the, the conference was a little down this year, especially in the Atlantic Division, uh, with the exception of Syracuse. So some of those games, they just kind of went in and, and were able to – to impose their will, but credit to Syracuse and credit to Dino Babers for coming prepared uh, to play a Clemson team that had a rough week and putting together a great game plan to really make that one a thriller. Yeah, it was a heck of a game uh, played by, you know, and, and Clemson ultimately obviously running through here, getting Trevor Lawrence back and, and winning the national championship. What was the experience like covering the team this season, starting out with Kelly Bryant and, and obviously all of the – conversation and all the talk around Trevor Lawrence so you start out with Kelly and Trevor Kelly decides he doesn't want to be a part of it you brought up 
some of that drama and then Trevor goes down and 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 you know you got to replace him in that moment then he comes back then there was that you know could Kelly come back did he really want to leave because here's a couple weeks where he could potentially play he ultimately decides he's going to Missouri what was that whole experience like for you because like you said Clemson typically is not dealing with that type of drama and not during the season and you know for Dabo it it almost seems strange to talk about so what was that experience like to cover all of that yeah, it was honestly surreal. So you have the, the Kelly Bryant drama situation. You have the Syracuse game. And honestly, after the Syracuse game, when Chase Bryce went in and did the thing that he did, coming into the week as the third-string quarterback, and Clemson fans found out that Trevor Lawrence was going to be healthy, it was like, all right, game on. Let's go play the rest of the season. It was almost like you know Clemson fans were not talking about Kelly Bryant uh, after Chase Bryce went and won that game. And they found out that Trevor Lawrence was going to be healthy. Nobody in in Clemson country was talking about Kelly Bryant. It was almost like he was completely forgotten uh, as as a prodigal son type almost that that sort of disgraced the program in a way. Uh, Clemson fans have a really interesting take on Kelly Bryant, and it's a really odd thing to talk about with them. It's almost as if Clemson fans get uncomfortable talking about Kelly Bryant. But then you go through the rest of the year, and you're really just annihilating everybody that you play. Uh, and then you get to the rivalry game, and the defense gives up 35 points, and everybody's having a collective freak out that, well, how are you going to go play Alabama? How are you going to go play Notre Dame when your defense just gave up 35 points to Jake Bentley and the Gamecocks? And then you go to the Cotton Bowl and and do the thing that Clemson's done to anybody but Alabama in a first-round playoff game and really kind of step on their throat. And then you're going into the national championship in a game that nobody really knows what the outcome's going to be. Nobody can predict anything about the game because the two teams are so different than they were <coughs> in the prior matchup a year ago. <coughs> uh, so, sorry. And then you get to the game, and everybody had picked Alabama. Clemson was truly seemed to be on the Roy bus, uh, like Sweeney said earlier in the year with the rest of y'all. And Clemson goes out and takes care of business and really plays their best collective game of the season against their best opponent and wins the national championship. Uh, And a lot of people leading up to that game were talking about if this Alabama team wins the national championship, are they the best team ever? Uh, And the conversation I haven't heard as much since from anybody that's not from around here is, is this Clemson team the best team to ever play college football? The first 15-0 football team in the modern era and then won the national championship in the college football playoff in the most legitimate way. So I don't see how you couldn't have that conversation. And I honestly, in a lot of ways, I really do think this was one of the best football teams to ever play the game. Yeah, and you're speaking here with Alex Stout of the Clemson Insider this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, you know, like, like you said, to be 15-0 and in the modern era, you know, is this the best team? At Trevor Lawrence, only one other true freshman quarterback had ever won a national championship, did it back in the 80s. Nobody's ever done it in the college football playoff era. What does it say about their leader and the fact that, you know, this, here's, here's a young guy who's just come in, who's got plenty of time, to spend in Clemson, who's already won a national championship as a freshman. You know, when I have these conversations in upstate and central New York, I mean, anywhere you go, 
you know, people are talking about Trevor Lawrence and, and, and a lot of Syracuse fans are talking about the fact that, hey, you know, this guy is tremendous. He is amazing. He is going to be one of the best out there. He's going to vie for numerous championships. He's earned so much respect in such a short amount of time. And he came in with a lot of hype and he's obviously living up to it. What can you say about the Trevor Lawrence factor and, and the fact that, that a freshman is winning these games and now he's got, you know, at least two more opportunities, two more shots at doing it again. Yeah, Clemson's never had a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence. And <laughs> that's a crazy thing to say. This is the same program that turned out Deshaun Watson just two years ago, a quarterback that's playing in the Pro Bowl next week. Uh, so it's it's an interesting time, especially given that he's a true freshman. And it was almost like he was a prodigy because everybody talking about him like the whole year that Kelly Bryant's quarterback when Clemson goes and loses in the in the Sugar Bowl to Alabama, the entire season everybody's talking about, well, we can't wait until Trevor Lawrence is here. And that was almost like a slight to Kelly Bryant because he's going out and taking care of games and winning them uh, as a game manager. The only game you lose in the regular season is the game where where he's hurt uh, or sort of has one leg for the first half when, you, when they went up to Syracuse and then ended up losing. With the, with the second string guy in. So you almost feel like it was a slight to him, but then Trevor Lawrence comes in and, and lives up to the hype. It wasn't just, you know, what people had been saying on the recruiting trail. It really turned out to be true. He really does have an arm strength that I don't think I've ever seen before in a, in a football game that I've seen in person. He's able to make NFL-type throws as a freshman in college. It's just not something that you see. So to see him come in and, and really lead on the field that way is incredible. Also, off the field, he's not what you would think he is. You know, you think of a, a freshman quarterback that comes into school and has the kind of talent that Trevor does, and you think he'd be going around and partying and, and hanging out with girls or whatever, and he's really a straight-laced kid and, and a, a Clemson program type of kid that handles his business on the field and is a respectable man off the field. And it, it's really been impressive to see and surprising to see it happen so early as a freshman because when you interview him or when you see him on the field you don't see a freshman and he was a true freshman so when you hear when Clemson media and Clemson fans heard people talking about when is Trevor Lawrence going to have that freshman moment it was almost laughable uh, because nobody around here had seen anything that compared to being a freshman moment uh, or even seen Trevor look like a freshman really throughout the entire season. So speaking with Alex Stout of the Clemson Insider here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, is it the hair? How much do you attribute to the hair? Because apparently everybody likes that hair, and when when they talk about it, even in the uh, national championship game, he likes to you know flick it back a little bit and 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 kind of roll with that and 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 show some comedy with the with the media and whatnot. But how much of it has to do with the hair? Well, what's the old adage? You look good, you feel good, you play good. And maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe he's like Samson in the Bible, and he, if you cut his hair, he loses all his powers. Yeah, um, I guess so. <laughs> but it's definitely his trademark. I don't think he can ever cut it now. Uh, I think he's got to keep it in, until he dies or until his football career is done. I think, I think he's kind of sold on the haircut. I think that he would be the first ever Clemson player that could do a L'Oreal commercial as well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw a uh, – like a, a meme, like a little video meme of a Pantene commercial that had been dubbed over uh, Trevor Lawrence clips. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty awesome to uh, to see. That. And you know, he's having fun with it and having a good time. Uh, speaking here with Alex Dodd once again, Alex. Before I let you go, 
we're we're talking about Clemson. We got to talk about the leader, Debo Sweeney. You, I mean, you have been in the Carolinas. You know, you've you've grown up down in the South. You have you have seen this team blossom. What has he done? Was Clemson, in your opinion, going back and looking at the history and growing up through it and whatnot? What was there anything close? Did Clemson feel like any type of a power, any type of a strong team, or or do you look at Dabo Sweeney and say he? built this thing from the ground up. I mean, how, how do you look at it essentially? Because we're seeing his success now, but is is Dabo Sweeney, is is he the moment that Clemson football got good, or can you go back to other times? Uh, you can certainly go back to other times in Clemson's football history. I mean, Clemson's had a storied history, and Clemson has always had the ingredients for success, but I will say that Dabo Sweeney has led Clemson into the best era of Clemson football, and he has also led he also led Clemson out of a long era of mediocrity. I mean, you had the '80s, where the most recent time before now, where Clemson was relevant, uh, and Clemson was in the national scene. It was always in the top ten when Danny Ford was here. Uh, and Danny Ford, they won the 1981 national championship, uh, finished an undefeated season, and beat Nebraska in the Orange Bowl, and then you had the rest of the 80s where they would play an outstanding year, win the ACC. Uh, they split even with Georgia in 11-year war, 5-5-1, five, five and one. Uh, but they'd always find a way to, to miss out on being that number one team at the end of the year. And then as Danny Ford left in, in his prime, really in the middle of what he was doing with the Clemson program, you had Ken Hatfield came in and you had some 10-win seasons. And then after that, you kind of fell off. You had the Tommy West, Tommy Bowden era of Clemson football where the Tigers were just painfully mediocre. And I will say Tommy Bowden did a lot of things for the Clemson program. Uh, but the best thing he ever did was bringing Dabo Sweeney on staff as his wide receivers coach uh, and telling the athletic director as he's walking out the door that he wouldn't walk out in the middle of the year unless they made Dabo Sweeney the head football coach at Clemson. And Sweeney is really – he had to do a lot of a lot of – going back to the roots and a lot of tearing things down and a lot of changing the culture. Uh, and he did it with excellence and really has, has made a vision work and has made a dream become a reality. When he stood up at his, at his press conference, the first day that he got here and said that he was going to bring Clemson back to the days of glory. A lot of people laughed at this guy who had never been a head coach that didn't have the credentials to take the job. And, and won a couple games in, in his interim year, and they really laughed at him. And then when Clemson loses 70-33 to 33 in the Orange Bowl to West Virginia after having their best first 10 season in a very long time, people laughed again uh, at the idea when he said that this was going to be the best decade, uh, or after the, actually after the 6-7 and seven season that Clemson had, that this was going to be the best decade that Clemson had ever had. Uh, people thought it was hilarious, but now looking back over these uh, 11 seasons with Dabo Sweeney at the helm, it really has been the best era of Clemson football. The college football playoff is the standard, and Sweeney always says that best is the standard, both to Clemson fans and Clemson Nation, and really on the national scene, the playoff is the standard for the Tigers. In the last four years, they've made it really without question, uh, and when you look forward to next season, for people around here, the college football playoffs is the only destination. Uh, for Clemson, especially with Trevor Lawrence in his prime, 
there are a lot of football coaches that can win games with a good quarterback, but there are not a lot of football coaches who can win games with multiple quarterbacks. For Clemson, I think the the biggest uh, note for Dabo Sweeney as a head football coach is that with Kelly Bryant as the quarterback, who's a game manager and nothing incredibly remarkable, for them to be able to make the college football playoff with him at the helm and be competitive and win games and finish number four in the country – is the most impressive thing that I think he's done X's and O's football wise, but the way that he's been able to build the program and the way that he's been able uh, to foster growing men and growing community in the Clemson family has been the most impressive thing about Dabo Sweeney. And Dabo, obviously when he took over, like you said, you know, won a few games as an interim and in his first couple seasons, uh, nine and five and six and seven before. And since then has won at least 10 games Looking at the fact that he has played in three of the last, or he has coached in three of the last four college football championship games, Clemson is a staple, is an ACC representative in the college football playoff, and winning in two of the last three years and two of their three shots in the championship. Just what that says about a guy like you said. I mean, he talks about God, he talks about faith, he talks about family, he talks about bringing in the right character kids and, and putting this team together and finding a way. It seems like he does things the right way. It seems like it's not just about talent and it's about character. It seems like Clemson guys keep themselves out of trouble. And it seems like this man who goes home and shuts the door and gets down on his knees and prays is is that person behind the door and in front of the door. So... You know, what would you say to that? Yeah, as as I've been able to get in proximity with Coach Sweeney working in the media and then uh, being friends with his son as well, I can truly say with conviction that he's the same man behind closed doors as he is in the public eye. And that's not something that's super common for anybody, much less somebody in his position, somebody that you know, speaks character and speaks virtue and, and speaks faith, but really does live out character, virtue, and faith. It shows in the way that Clemson recruits. It shows in the way that the Clemson program is run, in the men that it turns out, uh, and in, in his family life. He really does have family as a huge priority in his life. He really does have church as a, a huge priority in his life. And I would say, without a doubt, and I'll tell anybody, that Dabo Sweeney is the same person behind closed doors as he is in the public eye. And it's, it's really inspiring and really encouraging to anybody who has ever been able to spend time around him. And even people who aren't and just see the public eye piece, uh, it's still inspiring. But anybody who's ever been in any proximity uh, with Coach Sweeney or the Sweeney family uh, will tell you without a doubt that he is the same person behind closed doors as he is in the public forum. Speaking here with Alex Dodd of the Clemson Insider here in the first hour of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. There's some guys, speaking of the guys that have come through the program, there's some pretty good guys that are going into the NFL draft, I think is is fair to say here. Some some guys that have had a storied history at Clemson that are going to do some great things in the NFL. Bring me into that long list of the Clemson Tigers that will be moving forward into the NFL draft here in 2019 that are going to make some teams very happy, I would think, as we move forward. Yeah, you've got the first-round caliber guys uh, and that defensive line, I'd say. So you've got the offensive tackle, Mitch Hyatt, uh, an All-American in his time at Clemson and started the most games of any Clemson player ever uh, on the offensive line. So you've got him going into the draft that's going to be a marquee pick. And then you've got that entire defensive line of Christian Wilkins, uh, Dexter Lawrence, Austin Bryant, uh, and Cleland Farrell 
who are going to be great defensive linemen for anybody that picked them up. And then you've got uh, Trayvon Mullen, who's a corner for Clemson. That Clemson secondary took a lot of heat, but when you watch the film of Trayvon Mullen playing at corner, uh, the, he really had a great season there. Um, and you've got more players like Trey Lamar, who's a linebacker for Clemson. That was a great leader and I think can be kind of a surprise guy for somebody at the next level. Uh, you've got Kendall Joseph, kind of the same deal at linebacker. Um, and then on the offensive side, again, you have Hunter Renfro, who everybody loves, especially everybody around Clemson. I read an article earlier this week that I think I said uh, that he may be the most loved Clemson player ever. Um, just, you know, I mean, if you went by pure crowd ovation when a name flashes up on the screen, I think Hunter Renfro is going to be number one up there. For Clemson fans, you got Hunter Renfro, who everybody loves. It's going to be another good uh, surprise pick for anybody that takes him because he still looks, you know, he's still deceptive in his speed. When you look at Hunter Renfro, you don't think this guy is an incredible Division One wide receiver. You're like, oh, that looks like a good dude. Like, looks like a, a good engineer. You know, that's what you think when you see Hunter Renfro. Uh, but then when you see him play on the field, he really does have all the all the tangible things you need to be a receiver at the next level. So there are a lot of clips of players on this team, a lot of those seniors, the best senior class ever to play college football. They finished with a 55-4 and record, tied Alabama as the best four-year record. The Alabama class from this year, actually, has the best two classes record-wise ever to play college football and each won a pair of national championships. Um, so, yeah, you've got a lot of clubs of players who are going to make a difference at the next level, and it, it'll probably be uh, – a lot of people are saying that it will be the best Clemson draft class ever. So a lot of things to be excited about around Tigertown. Hunter Renfro, uh, you bring him up. Did he have his 27th birthday? It feels like he's been down in Clemson for a while. <laughs> yeah, it, it does feel like that. I guess Clemson fans kind of miss out on that a little bit. But when you saw, saw him making a difference in the playoff as a freshman walk-on, it really does seem like he's been there for a long time. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> He is officially graduating. He is officially not going to be a part of the program anymore. I, I'm just asking because when the ACC championship game against Virginia Tech was down in Orlando – I was like, is this guy almost done? I mean, is the, and then, you know, here he is playing in a couple college football playoffs. I mean, I kudos to Hunter Renfro. I mean, he's got – this is the thing about the NFL. He's got hands. I mean, if Deshaun Watson, everybody wants to talk about what Deshaun was in that – in that barn burner against Virginia Tech, but the reality of it all is if he didn't have Deion Kane and Hunter Renfro, they're not winning that game. They made in, in, tremendous plays with their hands down the stretch, and Hunter did it all throughout the game. So, you know, I think hands-wise, we got to talk about one of the uh, the best receivers that you can kind of look at. I mean, a possession receiver, if you're out there in the NFL looking for a guy that's obviously going to move the chains and you don't have somebody you can rely on, I think Hunter Renfro is going to find – his place, and I think he's going to get opportunities out there in the NFL. Yeah, for sure, and the way that he runs his routes and his quickness are really the things that kind of separate him, uh, that in his hands, obviously. Um, but he's, he is a great possession receiver, and he'll, he'll be a good asset on somebody's team uh, in the NFL. So I, I got to ask you here, uh, before we let you go, speaking here with Alex Dowd of the Clemson Insider, a uh, couple topics here to wrap up with. Temple had Manny Diaz for... 18 days, 17 days. So five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that as Manny Diaz's flight was going from Miami to Philadelphia, it was rerouted. So what are the thoughts on this? I mean, we're inside of the ACC. Mark Ricks says, "You know what? 
I'm retiring. After coming back, he looked like he had put Miami back on the map last season. The turnover chain is out. Everybody's feeling good. This year, they're getting embarrassed. Things are looking strange. And then all of a sudden, he leaves. December 12th, Temple says, okay, we lost Jeff Collins. After a couple of years, he's going to Georgia Tech. So we're going to bring in Miami defensive coordinator Manny Diaz, who I don't even think had uh, you know a time to find a, his favorite cheesesteak spot in Philadelphia before he ended up back in Miami. What do you think about this crazy scenario that left Temple going, the hell's going on, and left Miami with their D coordinator as their new head coach? Yeah, it's definitely bizarre. Uh, I think Miami fans seem to be excited about Manny Diaz being at the head of the program. But, yeah, I really don't know if he got to visit Gino and Pats while he was up there in Philadelphia. It really did seem like he was there for five minutes and then he was back. I mean, if you're Temple, I guess you feel pretty hurt by this situation because you thought you had a steal and a good coach that, that had led some really good defenses there in Miami. But now Miami fans have the same level of confidence uh, that they saw Manny Diaz, what he's able to do on defense. And their indictment on Rick was the energy level, and they didn't see the energy level on the sideline. They didn't see that passion. Uh, spilling over onto the field that that they said that he had. So I guess they're excited to, for a younger coach with some more energy coming back to the program and, and trying to get back to greatness again. But, yeah, it really did seem like Mark Richt was on the right track and then they had this year that was abysmal. I mean, you go and you lose the pinstripe bowl by a 1,000 to Wisconsin. I mean, it, it just wasn't a good year to be a hurricane and they, they wanted some new life. They wanted some fresh blood. And Mark Richt didn't want to be able to – didn't want to have to make some of the fires and, and replacements that he was going to have to make, especially with his son moving him to a different position on the team. There was just, It was just a really hairy situation. And now you find yourselves with Manny Diaz. And I think he can be successful there. Um, the thing is, Miami doesn't have the same luster that it did – in the 80s, I mean, it's, it's not the same program anymore. You can't recruit to Miami based off of the U anymore because all those players in South Florida, they're going to Clemson. They're going to these other schools. They're not sticking around and playing in Coral Gables anymore. So you've really got to got to do more than just go in and say we're the U and be able to sign kids. You've got you've to put some sustainable success on the field, and you have to start winning those in-state hometown recruiting battles if you're Miami. Yeah, and uh, in Miami, and just just to make a note here, they on Wikipedia the Manny Diaz era in Temple says about thirty two minutes. Uh, other sites are saying that he was the head coach for three days. But to to his positive, he did not lose any games. He left the program like he found it which has had some success and has gone to bowl games recently. So I guess he can chalk that up. Here's the funny thing about it, though, is that he goes to Temple, and then you have to buy him out. So you had him in your backyard, and then you got to pay $4 million two weeks later to have him come back is is absolutely insane. But, you know, I guess Miami, if you got it, flaunt it. I mean, whatever it may be, but a very interesting situation with the Canes down in South Florida that uh, that they're in the situation they are where they had a guy for free, essentially, because they were already paying him what they were paying him, and they had to spend $4 million to bring him back home. So, 
I, it's definitely a bizarre situation. Absolutely. So uh, with Dino Babers, you had brought up the fact that when Dabo Sweeney had, had stepped up in in front of everybody at his press conference and, you know, people thought he didn't have the credentials to be a head coach and, you know, he's a wide receivers coach and who is this guy and, and how is this guy going to do anything? And he said, I'm going to restore Clemson football and he got laughed at. Dabo swear, or, you know, in, in that same respect as Dabo, Dino Babers, three years ago, came to the Carrier Dome during a basketball game wearing a Syracuse shirt with with a suit and tie on, or with a shirt and tie underneath it and said, listen, we're going to bring this team to greatness again. We're going to bring this team up again. We're going to make you proud. And he said, faith, you have to have faith, belief without evidence. You have to have faith, belief without evidence in this program. Fast forward to his third season. He's asking everybody to come support the team that's 9-3 and three down in Orlando, Florida for the Camping World Bowl. Fast forward to after Syracuse's men's basketball team goes on the road and defeats number one Duke at Cameron Indoor. The Pittsburgh game recently here, Dino comes back onto the court, back with the 2018 team, and thanks everybody for support in a 10-3 and three season, and you got a standing ovation with fans excited about the program. He said it three years ago, and people said, yeah, okay, Dino, do what you do. Same thing it sounds like with Dabo Sweeney. All right, Dabo, you think you can, whatever. But Dabo did it. What do you think about Dino? I know it's only three seasons in. I know they haven't won a national championship. But what do you think about Dino Babers saying three years ago, you have to have faith, belief without evidence, and that team was 4-8 and eight for multiple seasons, and now they're 10-3. and three. Yeah, I like Dino Babers. I think he's a great coach. I think he is a, a great leader, and I think he really connects with his players, and I think that's clear to anybody who's who's spent any time paying attention to what's going on at the Orange. Um, my favorite interview at ACC football kickoff, other than Sweeney a few years ago, a few years ago was Dino Babers in his first year. I mean, what a funny guy that just connects with people. Um and you, you can see that. That's a, a huge thing in college football now, in the new era of college football. You can't just be that, you know, Woody Hayes type coach where you walk in and you're stoic and you're cussing out your guys and you go win football games. I mean, that's just not that's just not what what days we're living in anymore. We're not we're not in those those days anymore. You can't coach the old style and still be winning games unless you're Nick Saban. You know, that doesn't work unless you're Nick Saban. Um, so Dino Babers really does seem to have a, a pulse on the culture of college football now. He has a pulse on recruits and what they want to hear. And then he really does have belief in his program, belief in his players, and create a family-type atmosphere up there at Syracuse and bring an energy with the offense that he runs to that program that's been running the power eye for 400 years. Um, has been really energetic and, and really refreshing for the Syracuse program. And I think he's done a great job, and I think he's a great coach, and he'll continue to have success there. It's going to be interesting. First game that Syracuse has at home this season after starting off on the road for two weeks is on September 14, 2019, against Clemson. The last time Clemson was a reigning national champion and came into the Carrier Dome, Syracuse sent him away with a loss in three years. Clemson has only lost to two teams, Syracuse and Alabama, do you believe that Clemson at Syracuse should get college game day on September 14th? Hey, if both teams are undefeated, send them up there. You know, that's what, that's what I say with uh, whatever I say about college game day. But, yeah, I think they probably will. I mean, Clemson is going to be undoubtedly ranked number one next year. Uh, they open on a Thursday night against Georgia Tech, assuming they take care of business 
their first few games of the year. I think they should. I think college game day should go up to, to Syracuse, New York. Go over to what's what's the restaurant? Dino's is that the restaurant? Oh, the there? dinosaur barbecue, yeah. Yeah, the dinosaur barbecue. Yeah, everybody wants to go to the dinosaur barbecue. Send college game day to the, to the <laughs> dinosaur barbecue. I'm sure, Dickie V and those guys can say something good about it. To, yeah, to the ESPN college football game day crew. Yeah, no, it it would definitely be exciting and uh, and a heck of a lot of fun and 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 hopefully that's going to set up to be a truly special game my my final remark as we have in the first hour here with Alex Dodd who we appreciate spending a, an extended time with us this morning your belief you know we talk about faith belief without evidence that Dino said you know this show wake up call with Dan Tortora has always had the tagline where sports meets life meaning that you know, I use sports as a vehicle to talk about life in general. There's bigger things that are out there than what's happening on fields and courts, but they're part of it. What can you say about your faith? Because I know in all your social media, it, you know, it says, hey, I, I write some things sometimes, but it big Jesus guy is, is the first thing about this. What can you say about having your faith and, and what your faith has done for you and, and how maybe living without faith would be a different life if you, if you didn't have that in your life? Yeah, I mean, I, like Sweeney said when you asked him that at uh, at ACC football kickoff, I'm glad you asked that question. That's the easiest one you've asked me all day. Um, my faith is is everything. Um, without without Jesus, I'm nothing. Uh, his death on the cross and his resurrection gave me a way to have life and to have life more abundantly. Um, and I've been able to experience more joy and peace uh, and blessing than I would have ever been able to experience on my own um, with just my natural talents. Um, and, and it's the most important thing in my life. Uh, I mean, when I'm on a road trip, going to when I was in Dallas going to the Cotton Bowl, uh, the first thing I made sure to do was, was to go to church on Sunday at a church in the Dallas area. I, I make sure to try to get my my quiet time and my, my time in the Bible in, in the mornings. I mean, my faith is the most important thing in my life. Um, without it, I'm nothing. I'm not going to do sports reporting unless I feel like that's what God's calling me to do, um, to make his name the greatest. Um, and he's allowed me to do that for a while now. And it's, and it's been super great and I've really enjoyed it, but that's the most important thing in my life. And, and without it, um, I don't know what, how you would describe Alex Dodd without, mentioning faith uh, because it's, it's who I am. That coming from Alex Dodd, that, those are the things that you appreciate in life. You can write a bunch of articles, you can cover a bunch of stuff, but without that faith and that connection, I mean, that's that's what, you know, we were sitting down having dinner at ACC Media Day, that's that's what drew me to having those conversations with you is, is knowing that here's a young man in the world that's unafraid to talk about it and unapologetic about it and you know, there's a man sitting atop college football right now that's unapologetic about it, and he's got a platform to, to speak on it, and I'm happy that he's unafraid and can stand up there and, and to say what he needs to say. So it's a beautiful thing, and it's the most important thing to uh, to me as well, so I respect it. And with that being said, Alex Dodd of the Clemson Insider. Alex, thank you for coming on to the show today. I hope it's the first of, of many, and, and I can't I can't thank you enough for the uh, positive things you do and for the positive words that you've given me when we've had some time to meet up down in the Carolinas. Same to you, Dan. Appreciate it, brother. All right. Take care, man. 
That coming from Alex Dodd once again. Clemson insider. Speaking on Clemson, Dabo Sweeney, Syracuse. The fact that Dabo Sweeney was laughed at when he came into Clemson. Oh, yeah, okay, Dabo, you're going to change the program for the better. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Same thing happened to Dino Babers. So kind of interesting parallels there that we're seeing the fact that here's one guy getting laughed out of the press conference room, and here's Dino Babers getting laughed out of the press conference room. Dino's found success. Dabo Sweeney has found success as well. So we'll look to see how things shake out as we move forward here. But, you know, a beautiful, beautiful story that Dabo Sweeney is leaning on his faith, leaning on something bigger than himself, giving everything that he can and trying his absolute darndest to do things the right way and be successful. I know. So I'm just uh, I'm happy. I'm happy for I'm happy for somebody who has that faith that has 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 had that success and in a world that turns away from it or shies away from it or doesn't talk about it it's a beautiful thing to see somebody so faithful be so successful and that's not just Dabo Sweeney that's Dino Babers as well Dino said to you and it's the thing that I didn't forget more than anything that he said when he said you have to have faith in this team belief without evidence you have to have faith belief without evidence and look at what he's done Look at what this man has done having faith in this team. So tremendous stories for both of them. Tremendous time with Alex Dodd. And, you know, they, they say every once in a while you need you need to refill your faith cup. You need to really refill that, that positivity meter. Alex Dodd's one of those kids that helps you do it. And I say kid because he's younger than me, but he's a young man. And I'm just uh, I'm proud of the opportunity that I had to have him on the show today. So thank you once again, Alex Dodd, and I look forward to speaking with him here in the future.